Welcome back to Entertainment Talk. Today I'm here to do another TV season review. This is going to be for the first season of the Apple TV Plus show called Shining Girls. I am your host Matthew and we'll start off spoiler free like we normally do. Uh, take a bit of a break and then we will get into spoilers. But if you've not seen the first season of Shining Girls and you don't want to be spoiled, do not worry about that yet because I will give you a warning when I'm going to talk about spoilers. Uh, so Shining Girls, um, Elizabeth Moss uh in in the in the leading role here um loved it i thought this was brilliant um quite easily a 10 out of 10 must see um some people obviously might disagree with that or agree with that whatever but um th- this is going to be one of those shows where if if you don't quite follow what's going on you're gonna sort of lose a bit of the plotting here, and that all depends on your individual attention span or your individual level of interest in the show. Because um, obviously, those things can change as the season goes on. Uh, we've got eight episodes here. Um, very well paced first season, structurally very good. Structurally, obviously, challenged because of the whole timey-wimey thing that's going on. Um, but I just want to say something about Elizabeth Moss as an actress. She's brilliant, obviously. Um, so I've now seen... M- m- myself, I've now seen Elizabeth Moss in this, in The Handmaid's Tale, and in the horror film called The Invisible Man. And in all three things... Obviously, the, the Handmaid's Tale is a bit different to the other. They're all a bit different to each other, but they've all got a kind of recurring theme, which is her trying to avoid dangerous men. Because in this, you've got a dangerous man on the loose, a sort of serial killer type person. In the Handmaid's Tale, obviously, you've got the person that runs Gilead, um, and he's like. Not murdering people, well, some people get killed obviously in that show, but um, that's a situation where she's trying to avoid the dangerous men, or the dangerous man, and is trying to gain back control, um, not just for herself, but for all the other pan maids in, in The Handmaid's Tale in the show. So that's about, like, you know, women trying to get back any sense of power. Uh, it's a great show. It's gone on a little bit too long. It should have like a final season soon. But it's still a very, very good show. And The Invisible Man where she's... Well, explains itself, doesn't it? Um, I think it's like an a, a abusive ex, ex-husband or something who um, is able to go invisible. Hence The Invisible Man. And The Invisible Man is hunting her, you know, and m- messing about with her. I, I'm not worried about this specific thing ha- happening to Elizabeth Moss. And she's very good at... I don't want to say she's good at playing an abused woman. That's not quite the right way to put that. She's, she is good at playing distressed characters. Because all three of these characters, to varying degrees... Obviously you've got three different characters. Is very good at playing... A distressed woman. Or a woman in stressful situations. Or a woman that is dealing with. You know. Literally life or death situations. Uh, Now Elizabeth Moss has probably been in some stuff I haven't seen. 
if there is stuff out there that I haven't seen that she's been in, which I'm sure that there is, I am interested in her as an actress. I don't want her to end up getting typecast. Because, I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, she needs to be in the DCEU or the MCU or whatever. Obviously, if she does and she gets a role in that, then that's great. But I would like to see Elizabeth Moss do a little bit something else. And what what I did like about this role... Um, because in The Invisible Man and in um, Hamid's Tell, those two characters both progressively lose control of their lives throughout the two things. Obviously, you've got like a two-hour film or whatever, and like a six, I can't remember what season Hamid's Tell is in, but like a six, seven season run show. So you've got different time, obviously, differences there. In this, she is a detective, um, so she does have more control over things and over her life. But there's still times when she doesn't quite have control. Um, I just would like to see... I don't mind if she... Like, if she gets another role that's similar to this. I don't mind. But I would like to see... And again, it's not a question of her acting ability in terms of can she do something else. She definitely can. I just want to see her do something a little bit different. Maybe put her in like an action flick or um, something like that. Because, again, I I don't have a problem with this her being cast in these roles because she's very, very good in them. And if you're good at something and you want to keep doing it, then keep doing it. Especially in this line of work where you've got actors on screen and stuff. Um, but anyway, regardless of that, uh, I just thought I'd speak about Elizabeth Moss in this kind of role and stuff. Because um, it is a bit similar to roles that she's done before. I just would like to see her in a, in something a little bit different going forward. There's going to be another season of The Handmaid's Tale. Um, you're unlikely to get an Invisible Man 2. Um, unless you do it again or something, but whatever. Um, but yeah, she's very, very good in this show again. Which uh, isn't a surprise to me because she's a very good actress. Uh, she takes centre stage here. Um, so yeah, but the, obviously what this show's about, you've got this guy called Harper, and he is... I never know, I never quite know how to word this. Um, he assaults women in both ways. And uh, it's about trying to capture him and arrest or kill him. Because he's a serial... Um, both sexual assaulter and murderer. Uh, so you've got that kind of going on. And then you simply have... Um, you've got Kirby, who is Elizabeth Moss character. And then you've got Dan, who is uh, Wagner. I think that's how you're supposed to say that name. W-A-G-N-E-R, Wagner. Um, Mora as Dan, who's kind of her um, partner sort of thing. Not, not relationship partner, but work partner. And uh, they start to notice certain similarities with uh, these different murders that are happening. There's like a recurring theme because uh, like the, the, some of, some of these serial killers have like their signature kind of thing, don't they? Um, so Harper's sort of leaving behind his signature thing, and the series basically goes on from there. Um, thought it was excellent. I again, I think if you. Um, there's gonna, there is still like, because even now with the first season finished, because how I'm kind, of, where I'm kind of out with the show, the season's finished, I haven't seen any news about a renewal, and you could do a second season, but if it didn't come back, 
my perspective, because people are going to maybe have different perspectives on this show and, and that kind of stuff. To me, it was mostly, I can't think of any, there's nothing sort of standing out where I'm thinking, okay, you need a season two to do this thing. Because um, there's no cliffhanger, basically. Uh, there's still questions about how certain things worked, maybe. But in terms of, like, plots left over and that sort of thing, I don't know that you need a second season. Um, so you could make this as a limited thing. And you also could bring it back, possibly. Um, again, I'll talk more about that in the spoiler section. But, um, again, this continues Apple TV's run of brilliant shows. There's shows I enjoy on there to differ- differing degrees, obviously. Something like, you know, Servant and Central Park aren't on the same quality level. But they they haven't made any bad shows yet. They've made fine and they've made good shows. This is an excellent one. Um, so I'd uh, I'd recommend that you, you go and uh, watch it, definitely. Um, something else I want to kind of touch upon as well. Uh, my kind, my kind of final sort of spoiler-free point. Um, so there's a lot of um, knifing that goes on because basically what Harper tends to use most, because there is guns used in the show. Obviously, it's a, it's America, so you know. Um, but there's, uh, I think it's in America. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, basically with with Harper specifically. There's a lot of knife crime that goes on. And you do see him kill people on screen and stuff. Um, I I spoke on my... Both on the preview podcast for The Boys and the returning episode from today. About like... Because obviously The Boys is a, a, over the top. More of a goofy sort of violent thing. Um, where it's like, hey, we exploded somebody else on screen. And look how like gory that is. It, that, that's more like fun sort of gory. And I can, I said this on a few different podcasts, with the violence that's in something like The Boys, I can easily handle it, like, very, 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 very easily. Whether that's my high tolerance for violence in fiction, or I'm desensitised to it. And again, if you watch something like The Boys for long enough, you're going to become possibly slowly more desensitised to that type of violence. But when you do something like this show, and you have very personal, up-close knife crime it's a lot more visceral and maybe this is because i live in the uk because basically how i would summarize this right in the uk we have a knife crime problem and uh, in the us you have a massive gun crime problem more than gun crime you have a gun control problem but over here in the uk we have a knife crime problem uh you know with, with all that so I suppose with that, that hits a bit more close to home, because um, you hear about because sometimes news reports over here in the UK about how somebody was stabbed is quite surprisingly detailed. Like you hear about stuff on the radio, you hear about stuff on the news, people being you know stabbed and all kinds of things, um, and just the, the both both there's two different elements that sort of connect to me. Both when I hear about knife crime in London and when I see it on this show um because to, just to, to me like from my from my personal viewpoint seeing because obviously you see it in this show seeing like just the idea of somebody sticking somebody with something sharp because it doesn't have to be a knife does it it can be like a sharp object but obviously uh, Harper the most of the time he pretty much always has a knife on him um 
just the act of that really kind of irks me. It, it it really does. But whether it's me hearing about it on the news, or obviously that's with real people, um, or seeing it with obviously fictional characters on this show and on other shows, it it does irk me because it like I'm not saying like getting shot with a gun is better. Obviously, you're still dying and it's still nasty. But there, there's something there's something because like. Obviously, you can throw a knife at somebody, but usually knife crime type stuff, like in this show, it's very up close, it's very personal, you know, it's very sort of, um, because it's a melee attack, isn't it? Um, it's a, a close quarters type thing. Something just about, like, the killer being, like, right next to you, or possibly even, like, holding you, and the way it's shown in this show, and I'm glad it affected me the way it kind of did, because it, it's supposed to. Because again, the difference between something like this and the boys, when somebody gets blown up in the boys for like the 50th time, it's sort of like, oh, goofy, uh, action, fun, kind of gore stuff. But um, when I just see knife crime in a a more grounded, gritty, realistic show like this, it does irk me a bit more. Because um, I'll always be more irked by that than like, oh, one of the boys, somebody's head got blown up again. It's like, oh, okay. Um, that kind of thing. And obviously with the opening three episodes, they do some very particular type stuff. But um, yeah, just hit close to home a bit more. And um, I found that to be very, very uh, impactful. Um, so uh, there was there was there was that as well. But again, I suppose that's be- I, I, like I wonder what an American's perspective is on the the violence in this show because there are char- there are like guns used in these ep- in in some of these episodes because there's like a war storyline as well. I won't get too deep into that. Um, but like an, an American's pre- like if an American was to watch this show, and I'm guessing there probably are Americans that have watched this show, what they make of the sort of like the the Harper scene, the scenes with Harper when he's stabbing people and when he's killing people. Um, as opposed to like the gun stuff as well. So, anyway, um, that's pretty much my thoughts. Uh, ten out of ten, excellent show. Uh, I would definitely recommend it. Doesn't need a second season, but could get one. Again, it is one of those things for me where if the show just doesn't have any more news and it doesn't come back, I'm kind of fine with that. If it does get renewed, I'm very intrigued to see what they do. I would come back for a second season definitely. Um, but it'd be it'd be interesting to see. Um what they're going to choose to do going forward but either option we don't we don't lose either option it's not i don't feel like this is one of them shows where like oh damn if it doesn't get renewed this is like a massive you know we need another season i i I don't feel that um so there we go anyway so my thoughts on that Uh, apple tv plus elizabeth moss um shining girls very good show eight episodes some of them, are, the last episode was like 50 something minutes, but most of the episodes relatively good paced, uh, relatively good in terms of pacing, sorry, uh, structure, all that kind of stuff. Bit of a mystery element going on as well, that's really cool. Um, so uh, yeah, anyway, that's my spoiler free uh, thoughts, let's take a quick break, uh, we'll be back in a second. When I do come back from the break uh, that we're about to do, I will be going into spoilers, so this is your first spoiler warning, but I will see you in a minute. Hi there and thanks very much for listening. Today I'm here to tell you about our two different affiliate links. The first of which is our Amazon affiliate link. That's where you can shop on Amazon. We can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you anything extra. So whether you're 
getting a gift for somebody else or treating yourself or maybe both depending on the occasion we can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you extra you can find the link to our amazon affiliate link in your show notes the second affiliate link for today is our Kualu affiliate link if you want to get started with a website and a domain name of your choice you can simply sign up with Kualu using the link in the show notes they also have a live chat support system that's in the bottom right hand corner as well so if you need help with getting set up Kualu will be able to help you with that as well the links for both of these can be found in your show notes for Kualu and the Amazon affiliate link If you would like to get the ad-free versions of Entertainment Talks podcast and support us along the way, you can simply sign up over on our Patreon page. You can sign up either as a creator or as a patron. There's no difference there for the time being. And you can get your ad-free podcasts over there. It's a great way to support us on Entertainment Talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad-free podcasts. You can also support Entertainment Talk on Patreon at the $3 level tier. This gets you a chance to request a review from us of your favourite TV show or film. But it's one per month. So one TV show or film review per month. It's up to you which one you want to choose. We will watch a few episodes of the TV show that you choose. Or of course if it's a film we'll just watch that film and we will review that for you on that month and then when it gets to the next month you can request a new TV show or a film review of your choice that's $3 level tier that does also of course include your ad-free podcasts for the month as well thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show alright gotta get into spoilers now for Shining Girls so if you've not seen the first season and you don't want to be spoiled on things here this is your chance to leave you can obviously do that by pausing the episode closing it off playing some music playing a different podcast uh, depends on where you're listening of course if you're listening on the website you can simply click on another piece of content you can close the tab mute it pause back home page whatever and if you're listening on your phone or whatever turn it off whatever way you want to do that or uh, play some music um or listen to some asmr i, I recommend it so uh anyway uh let's get into spoilers for Shining Girls here. Um, so my interpretation of the story, because I I do think there's like a a light explanation as to what's going on, but it's also a bit of your own interpretation. I think. So how I think this kind of worked was after all the chaos of everything, basically. Obviously Kirby, Kirby like from the start, from like the opening episode, because I think the opening is the young version of her, isn't it, where where Harper gets too close and, you know, very creepy and everything. Um, She like knows this guy from her childhood, she recognises obviously all the patterns, because one of the main patterns was he'd cut these women open and put something in their bodies, which is a very strange thing to do but that's that's like his signature kind of thing the the riddler would leave you with questions but kirby will leave you not kirby uh, harper will leave you with an object inside of the woman um i can't remember if there was ever a reason for that it's just the, the thing that he does but usually the item sort of meant something but um i suppose he wanted to do it in a creepy way and put it inside the woman's body so there you go um but i i like the fact it it, it it all makes sense from Kirby's character, right? Because there's lots of occasions in this show where they do the timey-wimey stuff and characters will get confused. Um, like, you've got Marcus. At, at certain points, Marcus doesn't recognise 
who Kirby is, vice versa. Um, then you've got um, Jin. She like I think she dies at some point, um, and then she's alive later but earlier. Because um, we end up with a lot of situations where, because Kirby kind of gets into the realization of like, okay, time is sort of being messed with, right? See what the the only part I don't really understand, which I I'm not really looking for an explanation of necessarily. This timey wimey stuff starts to happen, and then by the time we get to like the season finale, it's almost a bit like there's not time travel going on, but characters are certainly moving between time periods because there's literally points in these episodes. Where characters will say to each, say to other characters like, "Oh, you're about to say this or that." Y- you can't really do that without time traveling. They never specifically showed like. I mean, no- nobody's going to be opening like a Doctor Strange portal in this show. <laughs> like, it's not a sci-fi kind of thing. But um, yeah, that that, that was a really interesting way to handle that because at first it kind of appeared to be. Kirby's like mental state or like this is Kirby's mental state really messing with her and she's like seeing stuff but by the end of the series she like knows what's going to happen and when things are going to happen and how to fix everything right um because she does end up kind of saving everybody Jin doesn't die Dan is alive by the end she kills Harper which I thought was a great scene and uh, doesn't have a character's name here, but Madeline is obviously fine by the end of the series. Uh, Marcus never did die. Um, I don't remember Leo coming back, actually. Last time we see Leo, he does get stabbed as well. Um, but she's, like, clearly in... She's in complete control by the end of this series. And I suppose that's a bit of, a, again, going back to the theme of, like, you know, the whole assault thing and um, her trying to take back, you know, some control of her life in some way, shape or form. Um, and that was the way to uh, to do that. Who knows? Maybe I've read that wrong. Maybe you've got a different interpretation. If you have, let me know what you think is going on with the timey wimey type stuff. And I I liked the element actually as well because this wasn't even though this would still have been a great straightforward sort of hey detectives serial assaulter type person. Um, let's do the the detective thing and hunt him down and capture or kill him right you could you could still have done that as a very kind of simple normal detective show and it still would have worked great uh so that was good my one kind of um i think i tweeted about this after last week's episode one of the more stupid character deaths i've ever seen and this isn't because of a writing issue this is because of a character choice issue so there's a point in episode seven when dan goes to that music club thing and you know he's looking for Harper you know Harper's there waiting for him they get into a confrontation and Dan knows that like Harper's got a knife on him because he's basically always got a knife on him and they have like a struggle and he decides I'm going to lunge forward into him why? And then he dies like a very violent death. I think Kirby later described it as like he got like cut up his body 
which is like, ugh, again, very visceral and very sort of nasty. Um, but why would you jump forward in that situation? Why would you? Well, he doesn't jump forward. He sort of like pushes himself or lunges himself forward. Why would you do that in that situation? Um, like, the person's got a knife, and I'm no expert, but I'm I'm just trying to look logically at this. The person's got a knife. You know that person's very dangerous. They've done this before. They've killed loads of people with a knife. You're a detective, so you should have some idea of, like, training. Why would you lunge forward at that person? And it's not as if Dan lunges forward with his own knife and tries to attack. He tries to sort of lunge in and, like, tackle him to the ground or something. And it's like, e- even if you manage to tackle him to the ground, all Harper has to do is point his knife towards you. And if you land, because if you're tackling somebody to the ground like that, you land on them. And they're pointing their knife forward at you. You're going to fall on it anyway. So what was the <laughs> what was the idea there? I get it was a... Again, not like a writing choice or anything like that. It was just, it was just a bad character's decision. It was just a big... I'll put that down to just a big kind of human error thing. Because um, as much as I can sit here and say like... Oh, you should do this and you should do that. You know, we, we can all we can all look at those things in TV and in media and stuff and say like, oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? But if we get put in those situations, you know, human error, heat of the moment, you, you, your mind not quite might not quite be hundred percent. We might make the same human mistakes as well. But yeah, why did you try to do that? <laughs> out of all, out of every single one of the stab scenes. That was the one where it's like he lunged forward and you could hear that straight away. I was like, why did you do that? <laughs> so, yeah, um, that was uh, that was interesting. Um, but again, from my perspective, Kirby did something timey-wimey-wise and she went back and she uh, got him back, which was... Uh, which was good. Um, so you got a couple of the other very visceral scenes. Uh, obviously you got the one in the second or the first episode with Jin. She She's the one who was doing the um, stargazing thing. I know that Raj in Big Bang Theory, uh, his character, um, does that. I'd be interested in going to one of those, by the way. When you sit in that circular sort of room and you have the star things above the... Uh, like the As like a... It's like a ceiling screen. Oh, I think that looks very cool. I've never been to something like that, but I'd be very interested in doing that. I mean, I've not got a specific interest in like learning about stars. I just think it would be kind of a cool thing to do. So, uh, anyway, but uh, I'm not sure where I could actually go and do that. I've got a six weeks of summer uh, holiday coming up in six weeks' time, so maybe I could look at doing something like that. But uh, I'd, I'd be interested. Anyway, um, she gets like cornered. In this building. Um, that shot was very... Du- that that scene was very darkly lit. I couldn't quite tell what was going on. Like the... like the You know when you're watching certain scenes and stuff. And... Like, because you know Harper's there. She's there. And it's a very darkly lit scene. And you're trying to look at the, the geography of like... Okay, who's on what platform? Or like, wh- where can the... Where can these characters go? And then he just kind of jumps down from somewhere and uh, and attacks her. I thought that was quite sad. And of course, at that point, I thought she was dead, dead because um, the timey wimey thing hadn't been introduced yet. But we see her loads of times in later scenes. There's actually a scene that corrects it later on, isn't there? Because um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but in that first episode, she she does the same roof viewing thing, and then she goes down to the other room to do something else, and she dies there. But then when they play the scene later on, she doesn't. I think because somebody warns her or something like that, um, or she's like more aware of what's going on. Because uh, Harper, I still think visits her on the roof, because um, he locks that door, that roof door, doesn't he? And then. Um, yeah, it sorts itself out from there. So, that was that. Um, I thought all the stuff with uh, Madeline's character, uh, again, her name isn't written down here, was, um, again, very sad to watch. Um, just just the general whole thing of, like, Harper screwing over anybody in the show was, was quite sad. Um, I will say, though, as much as I maybe shouldn't... I mean, it's a fictitious, fi- fictional person. A villain like Harper... Is somebody that you look at. Because there's certain villains that you think. Like a Gus from Breaking Bad. Where you're like okay. Needs to die at some point. But you don't want them to yet. Because they're very interesting to watch. Somebody like a Gus. But Harper's one of them villains where. Because pretty much any time. Harper was on screen. Um, I was thinking. And he's, he, he's like. Because he like obviously stalks these women and stuff and he stalked that woman at the shop and everything very very intense scenes uh and even even the one where uh dan was drunk next to that train i was like he's gonna push you into the tracks and he like gives him this fake shove of like hey hey, you gotta be careful that was that was pretty scary so it was very very intense all of the harper scenes uh whether it was him just watching somebody or, or honestly him just kind of doing anything was intense because even if it's him just walking through the street looking for a building you're kind of thinking like who are you going after when you go into your next building who's going to be there are you going to attack them it was very intense and very uh interesting to watch so he was a he was one of those compelling villains where you're sort of like you need to go as soon as possible because you're going to kill somebody else and it's going to be quite you know sad and dark and visceral but he was compelling to watch um, more so in the because obviously the, the the like the scenes where he's like talking to that woman and she's like oh you can he's like oh you can steal the beers and you can go out this back door that I wouldn't say those scenes were compelling to watch obviously for a television quality thing it was a quality scene but those are more the kind of like scary intense stuff the more compelling stuff is when he's like threatening somebody I suppose um like verbally threatening somebody and kind of taunting them and all that kind of thing that was uh very compelling to watch but it was one of those compelling villains that you think yeah you need to die as soon as possible because as much as you kind of as much as it was interesting to watch him and that you're like okay you need to go before you like get your next uh victim so he was uh he was very interesting his death was quite satisfying actually um and what I liked about his death scene, actually, and how this all kind of nicely culminates to one thing, is uh, Kirby just completely owned him. I mean, there's a few little moments in that fight where Kirby's like, oh, that maybe didn't quite work as well, she needs to try something else, and she almost obviously does get strangled. But, like, he enters the house, she whacks him over the head a couple of times, gets a little stab wound in, because um, he, like, claws, crawls over the bed... Um, and, like, she gets all these, like, poles and stuff and whacks him around the head and gets the vase. Um, 
One kind of point I thought was interesting of that fight, actually. At some point, he knocks her down on the ground. And he picks he picks something up. I couldn't see what it was at first. And he starts strangling her. And then that thing breaks really easily. You tried to strangle somebody with like a bead thing? It, breaks, it broke so easily. Um, I thought that was like... Again, he at the moment... He would obviously try to strangle her with whatever he could. But I thought that was an interesting kind of touch. Um, I was like, really? You're trying to strangle somebody with that? <laughs> but, um, but uh, I mean, yeah, you'd want to see this guy rot in prison for, like, the rest of his life. But sometimes people in this world need to die. People like Harper. Because they may or may not get themselves out of prison early and start doing all this stuff again. So, um... Because she takes his, uh, I think it was his or hers, I couldn't see what foot it was. Because she takes the knife out of the boot and then stabs him straight in the neck. Um, yeah, that was, a, that, was a pretty, that was a pretty cool thing. So, anyway, um, yeah, there's the war stuff as well. There's this last thing to mention, I suppose, obviously, where Leo comes into the story. Um, that was an interesting bit of backstory. There was obviously that one episode that was focused a lot more on that and more on Madeline's character, which was a good bit of backstory. Um, I think you needed that episode at that point as well. I found that very kind of useful. But even back then, choking out one of his uh, one of his fellow army um, comrades or whatever, um, he, he had that mindset and that attitude all the way back then, didn't he? So. Yeah, but um, anyway, happy with how his story kind of finished. He's dead, so that's uh, that's good. Anyway, um, that's pretty much my thoughts and everything. Spoiler wise, um, we pretty much end the story settled. Jin is alive. Uh, Dan is sort of alive as well. Uh, Kirby never actually died anyway. Um, it's only Leo that wasn't quite sort of like brought back time wise. So anyway. Um, and good to see Elizabeth Moss in something else. So, there we go. Anyway, that's my th- thoughts on everything um, related to the show. For those of you that have got any thoughts, what was your interpretation of the ending? Do you think I've got it completely wrong? Um, do you think there's something else going on? Because what, what I didn't want to see was like, oh, some of this stuff is in her head. Right, that's that's not what I wanted. That the whole sort of, The whole sort of like, oh, she imagined some of this stuff. That's That's not what I wanted from this. And that would have been a bit of a big letdown. But um, anyway, let me know your interpretation. What did you think? What did you think of the knife stuff that I sort of mentioned? Uh, What did you think of Harper as a character? What do you think of Elizabeth Moss as an actress? Do you kind of agree? Or is this the first time you've seen her? Or have you seen her in other stuff that I've not seen? Let me know all all your thoughts, feelings, questions, comments on uh, everything I mentioned. Uh, Matthew at entertainmenttalk.org. Twitter, etalkuk. As a contact page and information in your show notes. It's also a website box website box uh, email box sorry on the website version of the episode uh, so you can fill that in if you'd like to or use the clickable email name in your show notes in the meantime you can find everything else that we do on entertainmenttalk.org uh, for tv games films main night podcast take a look at that as well if you'd like to um yeah entertainmenttalk.org podcast platforms entertainment talk all that kind of stuff uh, so check out more of the episodes that we've done in the meantime, you can also support Entertainment Talk by either listening to more episodes on the places I've just mentioned, uh, telling other people, either by just telling them using social media, that type of thing. Uh, Patreon, $1, $3 level tiers for ad-free podcast review options. Take a look at that as well if you'd like to. 
Uh, for your TV and your film news, keep an eye on those air dates. There's going to be a lot of them coming up. A lot of them already happened. So uh, keep your eyes out on that. Uh, TV and film news, uh, geektown.co.uk, Geektown Radio, you know, casting news, renewals, cancellations, pickups, air date information, interviews, all that kind of stuff. Geektown.co.uk and Geektown Radio. That's run by David, of course. So check out all of that. Uh, for Bex, if you want some fun Twitch streams, because uh, we could all do with a bit of, you know, fun right now but uh bex is uh, doing some very fun interesting cool streams over on twitch you can find her by looking for trista b-y-t-e-s you can find her on twitch instagram and twitter so go and check out what she's up to you can also find me on twitch as well with etalk uk for my different gaming streams and uh, if you've missed any of those streams or the fifa career mode episodes or the game clips you can find all of them archived over on our youtube channel which is entertainment talk plays thanks very much for listening and i'll catch you next time goodbye